So I wanted to thank Ajwa for sharing that testimony. You know, it, it, there's, there's so much in there that I've also learned. And I know Naresh and other people in the prayer team have learned concerning just believing God and, and asking Him for things that are impossible. And it's interesting. It's almost like a prelude to what I'm going to be talking about today. So I know it's all part of God's plan, even though it was shared last week. I believe that um, God wants us to hear it again this week. I'm going to be talking about winning against the odds. Winning against all odds. Amen. You know, um, many of us, but, but Jesus said before he left, he said that in this world we'll experience uh, tribulation. You know, um, he promised it. You know, he promised us a lot of good things. He's gone to prepare a place for us, praise God. And, and uh, you know, and, and there's so many blessings that he promised us and you know, the abundant life and stuff. And he also promised us to go, that we'll go through tribulation. We'll go through times of testing times of pressure. Tribulation actually means pressure. Uh, you know, he promised that you and I would go through times of pressure and times of testing. Sometimes even the Bible refers to us going through the fire. But it says the fire will not burn us or going through the waters, but it will not overwhelm us. So there, there's sometimes there are pressure situations that we go through, you know, and sometimes the situations are desperate. They are not easy situations. They are situations that seem impossible. It can be concerning relationships, concerning your finances, concerning physical health, like the case of Shyami. You know, there are different things that come at us, you know. And sometimes it's not even us, but people we're related to, maybe an uncle or a son or, or a friend, you know, and, and they go through stuff like that, and we, we, we sort of experience it with them in a certain sense. I want you to realize that, um, to know this, that God is rooting for you to win. I don't think you heard what I said. God is rooting for you to win. He's cheering you on. He wants you to prevail. He wants you to win. You know, he, he has, he, the Bible says that we have a, 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 a cloud of witnesses that are rooting us on in faith. And I believe that the number one cheerleader is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He wants us to win. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. But the Lord delivers them out of them. All. It says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will get up again. You know, and when you look at God's heart in the scriptures, you see he calls you and I more than conquerors. Because he's rooting for us to win. Amen? He says that we overcome the world even by our faith because he's rooting for us to win. He says that he, uh, we, we, Christ leads us in victory. We, are, we have a victory in Christ Jesus because God is rooting for us to win. So I want you to realize that God is on your side. I'm telling you, God is on your side. People may forsake you. People may leave you. People may not have hope in you. But God is on your side. And he wants you to prevail. Hallelujah. If you believe that, say amen. I'm just going to read a scripture here that spoke, speaks of a, somebody in, the, somebody, um, in Jesus' ministry that was in a desperate situation. Because everything was going haywire in his life. Actually, in the life of his daughter. And he went to Jesus. And actually, when he went to Jesus and Jesus was on his case, things got worse. But I want you to see some interesting things that we can, we can point to that would help us to stand when even against the odds. So this is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 5. This is about Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. So the book of Mark, chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 22. Mark 5, 22. It says this, And behold, oh, you know what? Let's start from 21. Let's start from 21. 
says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, that is when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged and pressed against him. Then of course from verse 25 to 34, we, Jesus has the encounter of the woman with the issue of blood. I don't want to go into that um, today. So let's just jump to verse 35. So Jesus has kind of been interrupted by this woman who has touched him surreptitiously and he has felt virtue go out of him. So he interviews the woman and he, he testifies that your faith has healed you. Now we're going to pick it up again from 35. So in verse 35 it says, while he was still speaking, that's to the woman, the issue of blood, some, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. That was a final statement. It says, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Then in verse 37 it says, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter. Take note of what he did. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So all the other nine disciples he did not allow to follow him. Take note of that. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Why? Because the child was dead. So they laughed at him. They mocked him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. I want you to take note that he put all of them who were ridiculing him, who were mocking him, he put them out. He just took Peter, James, and John, plus the mother, um, uh, uh, Jairus' wife, and Jairus, he took them up to the girl. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Verse 42, immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Hallelujah. This is a powerful story. Powerful story of somebody who was kind of desperate. Desperate for a miracle for his, his daughter was at the point of death and in fact died. And he went to Jesus. And I believe that there are some nuggets here that we can learn from, you know, to help us stand when our lives, are, we are in situations where, where we are literally, uh, you know, all the odds are against us. When our backs are against the wall. I want to just mention six. There's a lot more than six. But I'm going to mention six keys to standing and defying the odds when the odds are against you. Are you ready to hear this? Father, thank you for your word today. I just pray for the unction to, to be upon me. Lord God, let me speak with the tongue of the learned. Thank you for words of comfort, for the weary words of faith, for the doubting, the words of life for the dying. Thank you, Lord God, for words of hope for the despondent. I just pray I'll speak for the oracles of God today in the name of Jesus Christ. And, your, and the beloved together said, Amen. So this guy, Jairus, was described as a ruler of the synagogue. He was somebody of stature. 
He was somebody who had authority. The ruler of the synagogues used to have a, you know, they did a lot of administration in the synagogue. They were people of power. And, you know, he, he, he was a respected person in the community. But the Bible says something interesting, that those people that were following Jesus and they greeted Jesus, the Bible says that this ruler, okay, when he came to Jesus, he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. That's um, verse 22 of Mark chapter, chapter 5. It says he fell at his feet. The math in, in the book of Matthew, the account given by Matthew is a little different. In Matthew 9, 18, it says the ruler came and worshipped him. He was somebody of stature, but one thing he did that got Jesus' attention was that he fell at his feet and he worshipped. The very first key is this. Always remember your praise and your worship. Now, this guy was going through a tough time. His daughter was at the point of death. Most of us would just go and shake Jesus. Come quickly. My daughter is dying. But the first thing this man did, even though he was somebody of stature, is he fell at his feet and he worshipped. He fell at his feet and, his, and he worshipped. Most of the time, you and I, when we are going through tough situations, the last thing we want to do is praise God. The last thing we want to do is worship God. But do you know something? The Bible makes it clear that God seeks after those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. You know, when we come to Jesus, we, come, we should come with worship. When we come to the Father, come with worship, with reverence. You know, it doesn't matter how desperate the situation is. Come with, with worship. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. David said, his praise will always be in my mouth. Always. In other words, when it's good, his praise will be in the mouth. When it's bad, his praise will be in the mouth. He says, I will always praise him. Amen. He says that, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Sometimes David's soul did not want to praise God. And yet he decided that, no, 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 no. Soul, praise God. And he found reason to praise God. He's forgiven me of all my sins. He's healed me of my diseases. He's delivered me from destruction. He's crowned me with loving kindness. Folks, there's always a reason to give God your worship. Remember to worship. That's the first key. Remember to worship. He fell at Jesus' feet. He acknowledged his lordship. He acknowledged his ability and he revered him. He worshipped him. It's interesting when you look at the scriptures. There's a leper who came to Jesus and that's exactly what he did. Let's look at Matthew 8, 1 and 4. When he had come, this is a leper, had come down, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now notice that so many people were following Jesus, just like in the case of Jairus. When he met Jesus, there were so many people who were pressing and following Jesus. And Bible says here, here that great multitudes followed him. And verse 2, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then the Bible says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Do you notice that before he asked for a request, he worshipped. He worshipped. Many times, you and I, we don't worship when we come to the house of the Lord. We don't put ourselves into it. Sometimes we fold our arms and we forget that we serve an awesome God who has given us breath and life and food to eat, clothes to wear, a warm place to go to, 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 to stay in. We don't worship. We don't praise him for his grace. We don't praise him for his love, for his mercy. 
Let's learn to worship. You say, well, I don't really know how to worship. That's good. The Bible has the Psalms, bless God, that are Psalms of worship and prayer. Go into one of the Psalms, like Psalm 145, and see what the Psalm is, how he worshiped or how he praised God. It will teach you how to praise God. But one thing I want to get across to you is that you and I have to learn how to worship, how to praise God. It gets God's attention. Another example is a Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus on behalf of, the, of, on behalf of her, um, her daughter who was possessed by a demon. Matthew 15, 22. A woman of Canaan came from the, that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, Send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then verse 25. Then she came and worshipped him. She came and worshipped him. She fell at his feet. And, and then Jesus said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And he said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And this is one of the few people that Jesus commended in their face. Then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. But notice part of the request was worship. John 4, 23, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship it in spirit and truth. I want to ask you, are you a true worshiper? When God sees us, does he see your heart worshiping him? Acknowledging his greatness. Oh church, I, wanna, I want this house to be a house of worship. Where we lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even when we're going through stuff. Even when we're going through the fire. When we're going through the trial. Even when our backs are against the wall. One thing we will do is to worship Him. Is to worship Him. So don't remember your worship. Don't forget your worship. Number two. Be specific in your prayer requests. It's incredible how some of us are not specific with God when we are asking of things. Jairus went to Jesus in reverence. He worshipped him and then he prayed earnestly. And Jairus was very specific. And I tell you, he was so specific that Jesus did exactly what Jairus asked him to do. And you'll see that in the, as we go on. You know, the Bible says in verse 23, he, this is what he said. Look, my little daughter lies at the point of death. So that's Mark 5.23. Can you just put that up, please? Mark 5.23. Mark 5.23. He said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. And then this is what he asked. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Very specific. Okay. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. So he's saying this. My daughter is almost at the point of death. Come. That was the request, right? Lay your hands on her, another request, so that she will live. Very specific. Amen. And I believe you and I should be specific when we are praying to the Lord. We should know exactly what we want when we are asking God for, for, for his, his, his intervention. Amen. Now, the first thing that Jesus did was Jesus went with him. So Jesus was answering the request. The Bible says that Jesus went with him. 
So Jesus was answering that request, and it was as he was going on his way that he was interrupted by the woman of the issue of blood who came and touched the hem of his garment, and then she was instantly healed. So that was another miracle. And then Jesus wanted to, to, to teach something from that. So he stopped, he interviewed the woman and, and said, your faith has healed you. Okay, so this is kind of the situation that is happening. And then, as Jesus is speaking, friends of the ruler come from the house, and then they say to her, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So remember what the request was. What was the request? Come, lay hands on my daughter so that she will live. But now the, the report comes and says, my da your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. In other words... It's finished. There's no point in any intervention. Are you with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. I want you to notice what Jesus' reaction to that statement was. And we're going to see this from verse 36 from the Amplified Version. Verse 36 of Mark chapter 5. Overhearing but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing keep on believing Jesus remembered what Jairus had said he said come lay your hands on my daughter so that she would live and even though the report was that the daughter had died his, his Bible says ignoring what they said he heard what they said but he ignored it he ignored it he deleted it glory to God and then he says he said and he said to Jairus do not be seized with alarm. Don't panic. Then he said to him, um, don't go into a place of fear. Don't be struck with fear. Don't anticipate the worst. He said, keep on believing. Keep on believing. You see, Jairus was believing when he came to Jesus. When he came to Jesus. Jairus was believing when he said, Jesus, you come, lay your hands on my daughter so that she will live. He was believing even as they were going. But then something happened. A report came and said, that's it, finito. Nothing else can happen. The girl is dead. And then the actress said to him, don't bother the teacher anymore. In other words, there's nothing more that can be done. So don't bother him. But Jesus said, don't go into fear. Don't panic. Keep on believing. So what do we learn from this? Folks, you and I, when we are believing concerning stuff, I really like the way I just shared the testimony. And that, that's the thing about faith. And you're going to see why I feel it's just a prelude to what I was talking about. Because sometimes your faith is up, sometimes it's down. And when it's down, you need somebody to help you come up. You, you know, we, we need each other. Bible says encourage one another even as the day draws near, you know. And, and, and the thing is that sometimes you get into a place of fear. And Jesus was the person that was encouraging Jairus. Jesus was the one. Jesus could have remained quiet. And Jairus would probably have said, okay, Jesus, it's, you, you were too late. Or yeah, then maybe even blame Jesus. Why did you have to stop for this other woman? You know what I'm trying to say? But Jesus encouraged him. He said, don't get into any panic. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing we got to resist fear no matter what i said you got to resist fear no matter what don't expect the worst expect the best fear is anticipation of bad things happening amen and jesus says don't fear that is why several times in the scriptures god says fear not fear not fear not fear not turn to somebody and say fear not we should not be afraid 
Don't be afraid. It's critical because God doesn't work with fear. God works with faith. It is the enemy that has access when there is fear. Remember what Job said when, you know, when um, he lost his, father, his, his children and he lost all his wealth. He said, the thing that I most greatly feared has come upon me. Fear gives access to the enemy. But faith gives access to God. So Jesus was telling Jairus, don't get into fear. Don't get into a panic. Just keep on believing because God works when we are believing. Oh, this is a good time to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 